Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who had dreams of being the press secretary for John F. Kennedy. He was a liberal activist. He once campaigned for George McGovern, which may have served him well during some of those really bad Met seasons. He would make the jump from the SID at Fairleigh Dickinson University directly to the majors, as on April 1st, 1980, he started his long run with the New York Mets as a head of public relations for the Mets, overseeing some of the greatest Met moments and some of the not-so-great moments. He's now the Mets Vice President of Alumni Relations and Team Historian, who hosts a great podcast entitled Amazing Mets Alumni Podcast. It is a pleasure to welcome Jay Horowitz to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Jay. Guys, it's a pleasure to be with you. A lot of good memories. I wanted to be Peter Salinger growing up, but got diverted. <laughs> well, well, well that's, that's great. So let's start there. So you had dreams of wanting to be Pierre Salinger. So yeah. how do you think Sarah Huckabee Sanders could have handled some of the situations you I, had to handle with the to, Mets? You know, I think you know my views. I don't really want to talk politics. I, I just was, when I was growing up, I believed in Camelot. I believed in the Kennedy way. I mean, I liked his ideals with the Peace Corps and the and the and, and the space stuff. I mean, I just you know he gave me hope, and you know when I I did a little campaign for Robert Kennedy. When I say campaign, I stuffed envelopes for him. You know, wow. uh, and then he was killed unfortunately. But I just uh, you know I I just I just campaigned for the wrong candidates. I campaigned for McGovern. <laughs> And it worked out. I've been in baseball the last 40 years. I can't complain. Absolutely. So, you know, McGovern, McGovern, if you remember, had one huge PR nightmare. And that was his choice yes. of vice president. Yeah. Tommy I, I, yeah, I just did stuff that I don't want to mislead. I was very, you know, dropping off the pamphlets and nothing yeah. high profile. Just a little key stuff. Yeah. Now, going back mm-hmm. to your time at the SID at Fairleigh Dickinson, you pitched right. some stories to papers, similar to AJ here. I mean, you guys are kind of kindred spirits. One arm fencer, a second baseman who got hit by 128 right. pitches, a priest who played hockey. When you were there, could you have ever envisioned that this was going to be your life, that you were going to you know, be in the position with the Mets that you held for so long? Was, you, know, you said you wanted to be you know, political, you know, press secretary. Could you ever envision the road you would take? No, no, I was a lousy athlete, you know, and I was, uh, and I went to Christian High School, and all my friends played sports, so I did the next best thing, I became manager, so in my senior year, I, I had like nine stripes on my Letterman sweater, they were all for managing, <laughs> so I, I went to NYU, and I became the basketball manager there, so I never was a good athlete, I, I just tried to stay in the periphery, you know, I, when I was in college, I was a co-editor of the, uh, of the yearbook. And then when I got out of school, I had an offer to, uh, I worked for a small paper in New Jersey, you know, the Herald News. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough, I covered a couple of college games with the, you know, the late Dave Anderson and Paul Zimmerman and Vinny DeTraney. We went to a Ohio State uh, Michigan game with some local athletes there. And I, you know, I was fortunate. I got a break uh, in 1972. They needed an SID, really, for Kitchen. And, uh, you know, I was hired. I've made a lot of good friends there. I really, you know, if I didn't have an offer to go to the close, I would have stayed there. Because something about the college that appealed to me, it's, and I love the challenge of working at Freely Dickinson because it wasn't, you know, a high-profile school, but I it, it kind of looked, made me look for the human interest kind of stories. And you know, the one guy I didn't mention was uh, you know Franklin Jacobs, who was five foot eight and he set a world high jump record. He jumped two feet over his head, 
And in 1976, I believe, he beat Dwight Stone for the wow. uh, high jump record at the Mill Roads game. Scientifically, times is fairly. You know, you, you, and, you talk this really, that's an old school press agent type of thing that, that, that you did. I right. Think, I think somebody said Joe Goldstein. Did you ever know Joe Goldstein? Joe Goldstein helped get me the job at Philly Dickens at, uh, with the Mets. I, you know, he, I, we traveled on a track circuit together with Franklin. The one guy who got me the job with the Mets is Franklin Jacobs. Of course, the last couple of years, we got a lot of national publicity for him. He's a five foot eight kid winning all the high jump you know, championships, the NCAAs, the IT48. And I did a lot of work with Joey. And when the job yeah. opened with the Mets, they were looking for an offbeat kind of guy yeah. with a kind of warped sense of humor. And Joey <laughs> recommended me. Yeah. So well, I was hired April 1st, 1980. And I'm you know, you know, still there of some sort. You, you know, you mentioned that offbeat sense of humor. And, and one of my favorite Jay Harwood stories surrounds Smithers, now the Addiction Institute of New York. Um, as there was many times that you would have to bring Doc or some of you know a, another right. player suffering to Smithers, pretty much regularly you were there. So the staff thought you were in treatment, and one woman in particular kept on pressing you, saying, "Sir, you have to overcome this thing. You have to admit it. Is it drugs? Is it cocaine? You're wow. not going to get any better." Do you remember I, the yeah, perfect Jay Harwood's response? I brought this particular player in, and uh, I was wearing a med jacket at the time. The guy, I think, his lady, the guy said. You know, what's your problem? I said, well, I'm not here. I said, God, my right's got the problem. And she went through this whole dissertation. The only way to get better is alcohol, the drugs, what is it? She said, you got to tell me. I said, really, it's not me. It's the guy next to me. So I went on for about 10 minutes. So finally, they got to drift that uh, I wasn't uh, checking myself in. But those days were, you know, my phone rang in the, you know, in the 80s. and You never knew what the hell was going on. It's always, that's what I loved about the job. You always kept you busy. And, you know, you never knew what was going to happen when the phone rang in those, those days, in the mid-'80s. So at the end of last season, the New York Mets reassigned you to a new role as vice president right. of alumni right. public relations and team historian. Yes. So first off, how did this offseason differ for you in the new role as opposed to all the other seasons since 1980? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a workaholic. I've never been married. I married my job. So, you know, when, when Jeff will put off me this chance to – Switch jobs. It was a good. It was a good time to, to, to change, you know. Especially with the '69 uh, anniversary coming up, the 50th year coming up, and you know, it was the pace was not the same. It's me getting used to doing things. I'm I'm used to working 24/7, you know, um, you know, all the time. I'm actually in Florida. I'm bringing some of the '69 guys down to Florida next week. Uh, uh, you know, Ron Swoboda, Jerry Grody, and Wayne Jarrett, Fred. You know, our uh, champs, Crane Pool and Cleon Jones, two weeks ago. The pace is a lot different. I'm just getting used to the pace. You know what, though? You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been reworking for jobs 39 years, and I'm, you know, it's time to make a change. I like the challenge of, you know, we never do this. We never really did a lot with our alumni, and Jeff thought it would be the time because I really work with most of these guys because I started in 80, so it was really only 18 years I really haven't been associated with the players. So, he said, you want to try this? And say, Jeff, I appreciate the chance to try something new. And I really enjoy it. It's a different kind of challenge, working with these guys, trying to play stories and you know, keep our tradition going. You know, it's interesting because the press conference in September announcing the move was more almost like a roast by your former players, coaches, and executives. As someone who comes to the ballpark to cover the team, you really, you know, I don't really get the full idea of your relationship with the players, but AJ and I actually saw it firsthand the love uh, that the former players have for you at Met Fantasy Camp th- this year. You know, well, the, the guys gravitated to you, and I don't think there is a former Met player 
And that includes Dave Kingman, who you know never got along with anyone that ever has a bad word to say about Jay Horowitz. What do you attribute real simple, that to? Real simple. My, my philosophy was I treated the, 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 the 25th guy on the team like the number one guy. I never tried to big-time anybody. I, you know, in, in the, you know, like guys like Vance Wilson and Joe McEwen, uh, you know, Mark Carrion, I try to treat them with respect. And if they asked me for something, I didn't only gravitate to the stars on the team. That's what I, when I do my, my podcast thing, I only try and get the superstar. I like on Mike and, you know, Darrell last week, but I, you know, Turk Wendell and, you know, Johnny Franklin. And I, I interviewed Jay Hook, who won the first Mets game. I try to, treat everybody the same. I think that's one reason why I, I kept this bond up with the players for 40 years, because they know I had their back. You know, I was perceived as a player's guy, which I take pride in doing that. And I, you know, uh, I did do that. But, you know, a PR guy is a tough job. You have to work the balance between the front office, between the, uh, the press and the players. You know, players think you're, you're, you're too precious to the press. The press thinks you take care of the players. And the front office thinks you don't care of them, but care of them bad enough. You have to kind of walk the balance. I was lucky enough to be able to do that my 40 years on a job. So you started off as a newspaper guy in, in Passaic at the Herald News. You right. Went, you went through a time when it changed from newspapers to electronic media and now to other things, to, to blogs and people show up and online. And they turn to you and say, Jay, we'd like you to do a podcast. So what were your thoughts about something that is basically very new and very different to do this thing, I, a I, podcast? I, I thought you were crazy. Man. I'm the most unmechanical person you ever want to meet. I mean, I'm, I, I'm okay with texting, but I don't know. I could tweet a little bit, but I don't know Instagram. I don't know. You know, if I was, you know what, listen, I'm, I'm 73 years old. to be 74 in August. I had to try something new, and I thankfully with the Mets, I have a lot of good people who, who helped me set it up and do the technical part of it, and I really just have to speak to the players, and, and you know, I mean, I'm really unmechanical. I said, I'm, when I tell people who I know, like Turk, I called Turk Weddle, but I said, I'm doing a podcast, you've got to be sure you kidding me. I mean, the guys who know me, know me, that's not me. You know, I'm not that, I'm, uh, I'm an electric type kind of guy. When I used to do my press notes, I used to go through like nine bottles of white out a week to type it up my notes. But you know what? I got an adaptive change, and I'm doing stuff new. We put out a newsletter, you know, a couple times a year, and it's fun. It's a different kind of challenge. You know what? I'm just not like these guys know we, we we care. You know, and you know we we, we got a database going, and we reach out to all the alumni. You know, my favorite one favorite store. I spoke to Hobie Landers about a month ago, and Hobie Landers was the first met. Yeah, reflected by the Mets in the 62 drafts. And after we had a nice conversation, and he's got to be like 90 plus, he said, you know, you're the first person from the Mets organization who's called me in 50 years. Wow. That's the kind of stuff I'm trying to do, is to reach out to people, you know, who, you know, to George Stone, to, uh, to guys who, you know, to George Theodore, the guys who we lost contact with, at least let them know we give a damn about them. That's, that's just one thing about my new job, you know, I consider myself a people person. I'm just trying to let these guys know we give a damn about them. They gave you blood and soul. And, you know, I speak to Craig Andrews a lot. He's a 62 met. You know, so just let them know we care. That's just really simple. And what I'm trying to accomplish, thank you, John. You know, it's interesting because I, I listen to all nine of the podcasts, and they're well, great. I appreciate it. And they're actually great. And I'm wondering, being a guy 
who has probably witnessed over one million questions asked of players from reporters over the years. You know, because you're in every press conference, you're there, you see all the scrums. What do you think the key is to making these interviews work so well? What What have you taken from watching us ask the questions to 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 bring to the the podcast? Just to make it more about personalities. Like what I've tried to do, I don't sit here with a lot of questions. Like I try to make a conversation. Like I keep it just like with, with Johnny Franco, Johnny's probably one of my closest friends in the business. So I started off talking about the practical jokes he made to me. I mean about the Turk I talked about. And we used to go out to eat sushi together and all of the idiosyncrasies. Try to personalize it and not to sit there with questions. I'm just picking guys like, like have a conversation with them and ask questions. Like it was easy. We started with the, you know, I, I picked out his best four home runs. And, you know, and I had a really, you know, we did it. I did it. Think with Daryl. We have three guys. You know, a lot of people don't know. Daryl's doing a hell of a lot of good work right now. He and his wife are ministers. And they speak about two different churches a year. And Daryl speaks to kids about, you know, about drugs, about, you know, the, what, you know, don't do what I did. They try to make it more about, you know, the big home runs you hit the 86 World Series or something like that. I try to personalize the podcast that, that I can have a conversation with them. There's something I remember about them, you know, what, what they did and to make it, you know, how do you feel like it? Two home runs in the fifth game in the World Series. They try to personalize it and to make it interesting because I think I know these players probably better than most people. And I try to bring that knowledge I can to my podcast. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's what does come through. And so, as a former head of public relations, you know, players, especially today, every interview is a minefield. One wrong answer gets tweeted out over and over right, again. Right. Granted, your podcasts are with former players, and and you know, it, it's an arm of, of the Mets as well. But they're so relaxed and open. Piazza's openness about the home run, the first game back after 9/11, and what it meant to him, and how spiritual the moment, you know was, just the openness and, and how relaxed Mike was was really refreshing. How much of that do you attribute to your relationship with the players uh, that you're able to get that feeling out of them? All of it, 100%, guys. I mean, I, mean, I had Daryl talking about, I interviewed Daryl in jail uh, in 2000 when he was serving time for whatever tax evasion. You know, he, he's talking about, I think they know that, that, that I have their back. And I'm not trying to make it just a homer, homer kind of thing. I want to try and ask a tough question. And, you know, I'm asking the questions. They know I'm going to try to put it in a light, not to, you know, throw them under the bus or anything. And I knew, you know, honestly, not to blow my own horn or anything, but this is the most open Mike has ever been talking about the homer. And I felt he really doesn't like to talk about it that much. Right. But, but, but I, I, I mean, he, we went through this together. You know, I went through the Daryl stuff with his drug addiction together. So I think basically they trust me. And, you know, even if I ask questions that might not be the easiest, they know I'm not, you know, going to throw the butt to the bus or I don't have any motives. You know what I mean? I'm trying to ask the tough questions without any motives and just to try and get some stuff that it might not hear on another radio podcast. You know, but maybe the level of trust won't be there, you know. And I think these guys trust me, basically. You know, well, I hope so. <laughs> You talk about wanting to get to the, the players that people don't know about. I think who is your target audience? Is it people like me who remember Hobie Lansworth having seen the 1962 Mets, or is it the younger generation of Mets fans who think might care about the history of the team? When you do the interviews, who are you thinking about as your audience? I'm hopefully it's a combination of both people who, you know, I get a lot of emails, you know, it's great, we should ask you, we haven't heard, and I get other kind of emails. 
and I never knew your truck went to brush your teeth before each start. <laughs> so it's really a combination, guys, to people, you know, who, you know, uh, hopefully this is going to be any kind of success. Is I'm going to reach out to the older fans, the younger fans, and get people who want to reconnect with the, uh, you know, with, with the past. And, you know, like Jeff just said, you know, Jeff, we've never done this before. And, you know, 69 was a perfect, perfect year, you know, to start this because we have a lot of stuff going on with, you know, a lot of, a lot of the good work that Cleon Jones is doing, you know, down in uh, Mobile where he and his wife Andrew are out, uh, you know, uh, six days a week rebuilding and renovating houses. So just try to let the people know who were born in 69. You know, Cleon Jones is mid-70s. He's still doing a lot of good work. So and it's really a combination of both. I mean, if this is going to be a success, they have to reach out to both. Uh, realms of the Mets audience, the older and the younger fans. It's funny when you just meant, you know, Turk's idiosyncrasies was one guy that I thought of, which, you know, we haven't heard many interviews. In fact, we've tried to get him on the show. Neil Allen. I mean, his thing yeah. was he used to throw the first warm-up pitch over the catcher's way to the back. Right, yeah, right. Stuff like that. And, and I knew Neil, you know, uh, going back. This, way, this perfect example, I said, Neil hasn't been back to the stadium since he left when he was traded. You know, it was Rick Ownby to the car and those for key. Right. I said, let me bring those kind of guys back. So, you know, the guys we have coming back, you know, the other thing we do, and I don't know if you're aware, every home weekend we have two guys coming in uh, to sign autographs, to do some sweet visits, to do some media stuff. Like, let me see if I can remember some. The first weekend we have Turk and Rick Reed, and we have uh, John Matlack and, and Neil Allen. We have Joel Youngblood and... Uh, and, uh, you know, Doug Flynn, they have, you know, we, we have uh, uh, Felix Neon one weekend and Rico Bronia coming in. Rico Suave. And, Rico, uh, there's a blast from the past. Yeah, Rico, Rico Suave. Yeah. But wait a minute. But is Joel Youngblood coming uh, one of the weekends? Is there a double header so you can move No, to- no. <laughs> we have, but he's finished before August 4th. But, I mean, I just want to try to do it to get, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, you know who else is coming in? Yeah, Jack Fisher is coming in. Oh, wow. Why would I ask Jack Fisher? Jack Fisher started the first home game at Chase Stadium, and he was also the first Mets starting pitcher to warm up in a bullpen instead of uh, in front of the dugout. Before the first game, uh, it was because a lot of people yelling at him. He said to Casey, can I go to the bullpen to warm up? I can't concentrate. Since this then, every Mets starting pitcher warmed up in the bullpen. And he, the other Jack Fisher's claim to fame, he was traded in the offseason in 65, I think, for uh, Al Weiss and Tommy H. Three yeah. cornerstones of the, of the 69 team. So, I'm, you know, the guys, the guys up there don't have to be, you know, the, the star stars. They want to get people who have uh, something interesting to tell. And, you know, like, you know, like Turk and Rick Reed were close friends. So I think it's good to bring those guys in together. And, and Joel Youngblood and Doug Fleming, good friends. You know, to bring those guys into jail. So we're trying to, you know, do this stuff. And all year, like every home weekend, we have two different people coming in to do a lot of stuff and, you know, sign some autographs to the fans and do some media stuff. Great it stuff. should be cool. It should be awesome. So, Jay, you've met mostly every great player to play the game over the last 40 years. Is there any player or players in particular that is on your bucket list as a guy you really want to get on your podcast? And it doesn't even have to be a Met. Is there any one guy that you're, you're saying, I absolutely need to speak to this guy for the Well, you're just talking about Mets people? It, it, if it's just Mets or anybody. Or anybody. One guy well, you... Right now, I'm limited. I'm limited. I'm really just concentrating on, 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 on Mets people. But the guys I'm looking for in the future, 
to have on is, you know, John, you know, a guy like you know, John Oliver. I want to give Al Ryder some time to get adjusted to his new role. You know, I, you know, I want to get him on. Uh, a guy I want to go, you probably don't know if you remember, is guy Dyer Miller. Was, when I first came in 1980, Dyer Miller was really good to me. He, uh, you know, showed me a lot of good things. Dyer Miller, we had a thing that he was a, he was a professional cow broker. So we had, he was undefeated in cow munching okay. contest in 1980. Uh, you know, that, that, I, I'm just trying to, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe if you got like, uh, you know, Roger McDowell was a good friend. I'm trying not to, I'm trying to jump around to different eras, not only, you know, do the 86 guys or the 69 guys. In fact, a lot of the 69 guys. I'm trying to, a guy like Pete Falcone, who, when I was there, started. Pete Falcone now works in Houston and, and in Texas. He runs the monitors, you know, when they have the video replay. Yes. You know, the guys come out with the cameras, you know, to check a replay. He does that in, in Texas and in Houston. And, and so the, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's guys like that. So that's, and you know, that, one of the things where I've been making yeah. calls, I've been able to find out what these guys do, like Mike Baxter down the road. He <laughs> you know, really sacrificed his career for Johan Santana's no-hitter, and he's an assistant uh, baseball coach at Vanderbilt. Mike Pelfrey is the pitching coach at uh, at uh, at Wichita State now. So you find out little things, and you know, um, I mean, again, yeah, not to name guys all the time. The guys I can relate with, and, you know, you know, Ari Dick is one guy I want to have on. You know, great stuff. Great, great stuff. Yeah. yeah. So is no, Pierre Salinger still alive? No, I think he passed. To be honest with you, I think he passed. But that's uh, that was my plan. I'm, I'm uh, you know, that's what I wanted to be, and uh, you know, I'm. I'm a liberal person. What can I tell you? That's me. You know, even with Falcone, I mean, not only what he's doing now, but his son, had, I think, had like two tours in Afghanistan, then came right. back and was right. a college player at Columbia. So it, it, right. great stuff, right. great, great yeah. stuff. And, Jay, I really enjoyed all of them. Um, okay. Where, where can Met fans find the podcast? Yeah, it's, I could choose it. It's Mets.com backslash podcast. Awesome. Jay, look forward to seeing you on April 4th. It's extra time, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, it. Great stuff, Jay. Thanks so much. Jay Horowitz, Mets Vice President of Alumni Relations and Team Historian.